welcome to the Wizard of Whiskey podcast, the podcast dedicated to Hedonist Lifestyle. We are back with episode two with uh, winemaker Jessica uh, Manel. And uh, Jessica, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. I um, I, uh, I appreciate uh, fantastic wine. So it's it's not a rough uh, rough day for me at all. Um, <clears throat> Jessica, um, before we jump into the Reds, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How um, how you got mixed up in all of this and um, decided to become a winemaker in uh, in Washington State? Certainly. I um, really got quite fortunate. I was studying horticulture for my bachelor's degree at Washington State University and ended up working for um, the professor that was doing all the research on wine grapes in Washington State and was his graduate student. Um, well, worked for him for a summer and then at the end of the summer he offered for me to come back and do my master's um, on the same project I've been working on. So I knew enough not to walk away from that um, opportunity and so, my, so my, all my graduate work was done on wine grapes. So by the time I finished that um, project, I began my career as a viticulturist, working for a large winery in Washington State. And so working for a large winery, I, uh, even though all my time was spent out in the vineyards and harvest would come and the grapes would go away, and I'd get to taste occasionally um, the wines you know, throughout the winter and see how things were progressing, but my you know, involvement was fairly limited, and, and I just had this itch to, to find out more about winemaking, and I also had a desire just to travel, to be quite honest, and so I left my job and um, went to Australia to, to work at a harvest, so I was able to get some traveling done and kind of give it a, the winemaking side of the, the industry a try without a huge commitment, and I just was bit by the bug. I loved it, um, loved being able to have the viticulture background um, and, and learn about winemaking and, and have that balance of the two sides. So when I came back to the States, I, I pursued winemaking um, from that point on and, and filled in the gaps um, from when I lacked my master's degree in viticulture, would take, took some wine chemistry and wine microbiology classes here and there and really on the hand, on, on job, you know, uh, learning and um, have just been able to have a pretty great career working for a few different winemakers in Washington. And now being the white oven with Mercer Estates for um, the past four years. This will be my fifth harvest coming up. Nice. Nice. I always love that the winemakers consider their, their career by um, by uh, vintages <laughs> rather than years. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. Um, all right. Um, so you've put together a pretty decent selection of... Uh, um, of reds here, um, and we're going to start off, I guess, with the uh, with the Mercer Canyons Red Blend, which is from one of the tiers. Yeah, so we have we do three tiers of wines. We have our reserves, our Mercer Estates, and our Mercer Canyons. And um, with the Mercer Canyons, the style for for this tier is um, very fruit forward, uh, very friendly, approachable, easy drinking, your every, everyday drinking wine. Um, when we're, I'm putting the blends together for these wines, the person I'm, you know, I'm always thinking of who's going to drink these wines, who, who, who am I trying to make this wine for, and I'm thinking of somebody that's maybe for the the Mercer Canyon Reds, just switching from from whites to reds. So I don't want the tannin profile to be too big, um, to overwhelm somebody who's just developing a palate for for reds with some good tannins. Um, so looking for really, with the red blend, that that gives me a lot of freedom to 
to play with different varietals to create a mouthfeel that's very round and soft and supple. Awesome. All right. Um. And this happens to be just a whole lot of Merlot and Syrah. <laughs> Fantastic. Tell me a little bit about uh, Diane Whitehead. Mm. Excuse me. I was tasting. Um, so she is the artist that developed the, well, she did, She creates these watercolor paintings for the Mercers. They're, they're good friends. And then we um, incorporate the paintings into our labels. And all of the um, the paintings have a tie back to the, the Mercer family heritage. So right now we're tasting the red blend, and it has a, a painting of cows. The Mercers originally, before they had irrigation on their land, they ran sheep and cattle. Um, if we, we're gonna, we'll be tasting the Mercer Canyon's cab next, and that has a horse because they relied on the horses to run the sheep and cattle. And when we um, went through the whites in the, in the first session, we had a, a sheep on the Chardonnay for, for the sheeping um, operation up at the farm, and finally a, a guy fly fishing on the Riesling. Um, they would the Mercers used to take the cattle from the farm here in the Horse Seven Hills um, up to Montana during the summer months to graze, and so they did a lot of fly fishing while they were doing that. And so that's uh, paying homage to, to that. And, um, and I think the, the boys, the, the two brothers that own the winery today um, have pretty good memories of fly fishing with their grandfather in, in uh, Montana. Nice. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those labels that just kind of grabs you. Um, and it's really interesting, and I appreciate the um, appreciate the artwork instead of just, oh, here's, you know, here's another label. Um um, that you know has the the requirement colors for a red blend. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun. So yeah, and if um, you come visit our winery, we have the artwork hanging in the tasting room. So the original pieces are here. <clears throat> I will be right there. Um, <laughs> don't move. Um, <clears throat> so um, <clears throat> so the red blend, um, really interesting wine. Um, very soft. Um, easy drinking. I I I love blends. Um, just because you know, you know, there's something different than what a single, you know, single varietal is, you know, and, and that's that's you know kind of a weird way of saying it, but um, oh, the two wines together kind of they they kind of add their own complexities, and they kind of bring their own individual um, characters to the table, so you've got a partnership. Yeah, the, and. I think the red blends are, I think they're fun to make from my side of the table, and as a consumer, they're fun to enjoy um, because you're not, you know, tied down to the varietal, and you can, as a winemaker, you can fill in the gaps in the holes that may be there, you know, from one varietal. Something else, you know, like Syrah will bring something to the table that the Merlot didn't. Um, and these wines, um, even though they're, they're our most affordable, affordable price point, the reds are 100% barrel aged, which is um, not a lot of you know wineries are doing that at this, this price point. Um, I think we might be a little bit crazy, but Mercers just did not want to cut any corners. You know, a lot of wineries are, are aging the their their more affordable reds in, in tanks. 
Um, and they, the Mercers actually built um, built another barrel room for us because we'd run out of space because of this tier being the red requiring so many barrels. And instead of cutting corners, um, they said, nope, we're going to keep doing the barrel aging thing. So we added on a barrel room um, to be able to continue to have the great quality for the for this tier. That is awesome. Um so the so the red blend um 13 it was um it was pretty pretty racy um a little dusty um I like that on my red blends um it was definitely um you know some boysenberry um definitely fruit forward um except on the finish which was which was pretty pretty dry and it was pretty it was pretty excellent um <clears throat> so um well done again I guess <laughs> thank you and again, it's that you know the, this the tannin management for the mouthfeel for these. I mean, when we're blending our wines, um, my focus is on the mouthfeel at all the tiers, but I think particularly the Mercer Canyons, um, we need to make sure it's a, you know and it's not not too complicated, not too big and tannic that we're going to turn it off somebody that's just getting into wine. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so we're on to the um, the Columbia Valley Cab, yep, which which has a painting of of two horses. I'm assuming from the same artist. Yes. Yep. Yep. Same artist, Diane Whitehead. Um, and the, again, the horses were just a big part of the the farm. You know, back when they had um, the sheep and cattle operate. They still there still are cattle and sheep up at the farm, but now they're pretty diverse, growing a lot of different agricultural crops as well. But the horses were an integral part of that. Um, operation that you know now not not, not e- needed as much but there's still there's still some horses up there and um these two reds are from the 2013 vintage um so um pretty warm year for washington state um it was the hottest until 14 and, the, and then and then 15 <laughs> but it was <laughs> very warm year um so just you know we were able to get the the reds really really ripe with really great concentrated fruit Nice, yeah. I um, <clears throat> there's a there's a tiny bit of rim variation on on this one, um, which is always a good sign. A um, little bit of blackberry, um, some some tarragon, which is is always interesting. A um, little bit of black tea. Mhm. On the on the nose. Um, and call you can call bullshit on any one of these if you'd like. No, um, I love hearing your. Totally <laughs> I love hearing the your uh, I should be writing down what you say so. Help me with my tasting notes in the future. <laughs> <laughs> it's the um it's the psalm and me coming out. Um <clears throat> I've um I've been studying for years um to, to take some of the uh the, the sommelier exams. Um never got around to actually taking them, but I, I will hopefully eventually. Um so I, I set a, a strategy to taste, you know, X number of wines and in twenty fourteen that number was five thousand one hundred and twenty five, I think. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, and I managed to hit it for the first couple of months. I managed to hit the the, the minimum goal, so it was a little over 400 wines um, a month. And uh, luckily, there's a lot of trade tastings, um, and so I was I was able to to hit it pretty easily. Um, and uh, so yeah, I, I but I will tend to like like everybody else, I will tend to to screw with you, um, you know, when it when it comes to some of the some of the fruit flavors and 
um, just to see if you'll call bullshit. And there have been winemakers that have. They're like, no, that's not a thing. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I was only kidding. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah. But uh, all right. So enough of me rambling. Um, let's go on to the to the Malbec. Okay. So <clears throat> Malbec, outside of Argentina yes. and outside of France. Yeah. Um, first of all, yay. Um, <clears throat> second of all, tell us a little bit about the the fourteen. You're wondering why we're making Malbec. Um, so we've had um, three little blocks of Malbec planted at our spice cabinet vineyard, which is one of our state vineyards, um, over right over the Columbia River. Beautiful, beautiful site. And um, each little block was a different clone. So we've been playing with um, those over the over the past few years and had some really great regional acclaim um, with our Malbec. And it's you know been fairly small production. Um, but it's been enough to encourage us because we've been really impressed at how you know, we have a preference on the three clones, but all three clones um, do really, really well. And we're getting wines that are reminiscent of some of the really high-end Argentinian Malbecs. So we um, are excited about Malbec. We're, we're um, growing. We have our own nursery, so we've taken cuttings and grown Malbec vines and planted um, a much bigger vineyard. So we'll ha- we'll be increasing our our production of Malbec and um, being able to we'll we'll have a Malbec at every all three of our tiers, and um, we're just excited. We're, I think in Washington, um, especially the Horse Heaven Hills, the the wines tend to be the red wines out of the Horse Heaven Hills tend to have powdery, dusty tannins, um, and and tend to be a bit more elegant um, in the mouth. And Malbec, I think it's unique because it's the color is just so deep, dark, and dense. So you have this impression that you're going to have this big, big, bold red wine. But the tannins on Malbec tend to be very supple. It's hard to overextract Malbec. And so the resulting wine is very palatable. It's very approachable and drinkable. And um, you don't necessarily need to have it with food to be able to enjoy it because it can be so balanced on its own. And I think that's what people maybe really enjoy about Malbecs that are into it, and so we're we're just excited about it. Well, I am I am equally excited. Um, <clears throat> it actually stained my glass, um, mm-hmm. which is apparently a thing. No, it's not a thing. Um, it's but it, the the color is is quite fantastic. Um, I love swirling swirling uh, Malbec in my glass because it just has these. Just crazy hues that that range from dark purple to to ruby, um, and uh, on the nose it's actually pretty pretty subdued. Um, what's the ABV on this? Out of curiosity. This one is fourteen eight. It's not not a shy okay. one. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but I, I so I get a little bit of it on the nose, but I don't get it on the on the palate, which is which is pretty fantastic. Um, I definitely get, I definitely get dried violets, and I definitely get um, a little bit of milk chocolate, um, tiny bit of tobacco. It's yeah, it's really, it's really fantastic. There's this, and a lot of Argentinian Malbecs, I'll get kind of a wet stone minerality. Right. That signals to me, you know, I'm having a really fantastic Malbec, and and the um, 
I tend to I look for that in our Malbec, and occasionally I think we get it. Um, and I, you know, I think it's definitely clonal, um, and that's what I think, you know it, it excites me is that we're we're getting these very deeply concentrated um, wines from you know this, from our, our vineyards with you know. I mean, we're 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 growing, you know, pretty straightforward. The the Malbec, we're not, you know, cropping it super low, you know, crazy low to to increase the concentration. It's just naturally, you know, producing a really deeply concentrated wine. Well, definitely well done on this one. Sorry, didn't mean to touch that. Um, <coughs> um. Definitely well done. I um, love Malbec, as as um, as we've talked about, um, and uh, that was that was awesome. So it's the it's the fourteen vintage. Um, where so so these are available um, mostly around the country, right? Around the states. Yeah, yeah. We're um, we're in forty nine states, I believe. So um, most you know the, the um, grocery stores have some of our wines on the shelves, the, the, the bigger grocery stores, the bigger chains, and, um, you know, quite a few wine shops. And so we, ha- we have, I think, a pretty good um, list on our website of uh, where you can find our wines in each state, or at least where, you know, where we ship to, and we'd be happy to, to look up our, you know, where, where you can find us in, in any state. Nice. And that's, um, that's mercerwine.com, right? Excellent. All right. Um, so we're doing the uh, the Mercer um, Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, 2013. Yes. Wow. Um, sorry, I just tasted it, and holy shit, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um wow, that is that is phenomenal. Um tell me a little bit about it before I, I, I give you my crazy ideas. Well, we have um cab at planted in a few different vineyards in our state vineyards in the Horse Heaven Hills and so this is all we, we harvest everything separately and age everything separately. So meaning, you know, each vineyard block as it comes in is fermented on by itself and then aged in we do a combination of French and American oak, new and used, and um, for 18 to 20 months. And so when it comes time to put the blends together, you know, we have all of the tools in the tool chest, essentially, because we have, we have um, everything has been aged separate. And so as the wines are aging, I'm just constantly tasting and categorizing the wines as far as the quality and where I think they're going to go together. And so that gives us kind of a guide of where to begin and with putting the blends together. And so this is the culmination of just picking um, wines, you know, not an entire lot, maybe just a few barrels from different vineyards to create um, this wine. And I think it's a beautiful expression of the terroir of Horse Seven Hills, which sounds pretty cheesy, but I think the Horse Seven Hills has a very distinct terroir. Um, the, the red wines tend to have like a higher note, red notes, you know, brighter notes um in the in the nose and then again the tannins tend to be this dusty powdery velvety um tannin and so the resulting wines are very balanced and and, um, a touch elegant 
Wow. Um, I'm. I just retasted, and I'm. I'm just getting a ton of, a ton of milk chocolate. Tiny little bit of that tobacco. Um, yeah. But it's. It's incredibly silky. It's it's, just has this, um, very delightful, um, silkiness to it, that I don't get in a lot of um, <clears throat> California cab. Um, but it's, I mean, it's very well put together. Fantastic. Glad you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. That is going with a steak tonight, and remind myself to go buy steak. All right. Um, <clears throat> okay, so, um, so Mercer Ode to Brothers? Yes. And this is in the reserve tier. Um, this is their 2012. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, about this one. So th this is our um, Southern Rhone blend named Ode to Brothers uh, because the the two brothers that own the winery and run the farm today it was their father and his two brothers that really were the pioneers, that they were the ones that planted the first wine grapes in, in Horse Heaven Hills. They were the ones that get, got irrigation going up there to be able to uh, farm agricultural crops. So it's an ode to the three of them and what they've done. Um, they're really pioneers um, in so many ways. And and then, so for the wine, um, it is a, a Southern Rhone blend of Grenache, Syrah, and Mouved, all from our Spice Cabinet vineyard. Well, with the exception of the Syrah, it's from our Spice Cabinet vineyard. And um, heavy, a little heavier on the Syrah, it's 41% Syrah, and then Grenache and a touch of Mouvet in there. So um, a little more um, balance in, in the wine, you know, with the brightness of the Grenache and the Mouvet, the white pepper, you know, we definitely want that to be a, a component of the wine, which hopefully it comes through for you. Wow. Um, it's It's almost like um, it's almost like a red wine, just hints of red wine um, on the on the palate. See, you got it. There you go. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually getting um, uh, kind of a decent um, decent amount of lingonberry, um, very fruit forward. Um, I love the nose on this. My first um, my first sip, it was um, a tiny bit of uh, of black tea. Um, mm hmm. I love that, the, the tea. I mean, you know, that's something I, that's a good thing for me. Yeah. No, it's it's very well balanced. It's it's fantastic um, for, for a Syrah blend, um, for, for a Rhone blend, actually, rather. Um, and uh, very impressed. Well, well done. Um, Thank you again. I'm waiting for a bad wine here, so I can I can I can say bad wine, but it's not it's not happening. Um, I I don't actually wait for that, but um, <laughs> that's off the air, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's it's rough. I I you know I I expect you know there, there's this to go on a mini tirade here. There's this kind of situation I think in the wine and spirits world where it's better to be against something than to be for it. Um, you know, oh well, 
this is it's it's over extracted or, or they'll find the flaws first and they'll point out the flaws first rather than seeing it for what it is. Um, and I've dealt with this quite a bit in uh, in my day, and I try and avoid that. Um, so if it sounds to the audience, if it sounds like I'm pro wine and pro everything, I'm not. Um, I just try not to point out flaws in front of. Uh, not that there's any flaws in this wine, but um, I try not to be what's the word, um, um, an asshole. <laughs> uh, so um, so far, awesome wines. No no noticeable flaws that I've that I've noticed. Um, just very well balanced, very well made, um, and you can taste that in the in the wines. You can taste when a wine is it's made in the vineyard and not in you know um, in a lab. Um, and I think that that's what you're doing here is you're you're, you're letting the grapes do their thing. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're kind of letting the grapes do their thing, and and then you're getting into the into the winemaking mode, um, which starts in the vineyard and then. Um, kind of just coaxing uh, the flavors that you would like to see um, that are already present in the in the grapes. Exactly. So. That's exactly what we're doing. We, since we grow our own fruit, you know, we have, um, I don't know if the word control, that sounds a bit, I don't know, tyrannical, but we have complete control of, you know, <laughs> the wines from, from the ground all the way to, to the bottom. We have our own bottling line, and we make all the wines here ourselves, so, you know, we're not um, letting go of um, any you know, step of the process, and, you know, I think it's not a lot of wineries have um, ha- have control of everything. You know, smaller wineries, they might not own their own vineyards, and they have to source fruit every year, and, and there may be a different vineyard or, you know, um, so, so whatever the situation may be that, you know, being that we grow all of our own fruit, I have, you know, pretty intimate knowledge of each of the, the blocks, and, and I work with our um, viticulture team, um really closely and you know I think that all those all those little pieces fall into place for us and and um I feel very fortunate to to get to make the wines for the mercers because of you know it's just um a lot of luxuries for for me as a winemaker awesome um well again well done on the on the uh, on the Rhone blend um ode to brothers um, so we're moving on um, to um, your Bordeaux style, which is um, it's a uh, Cavalier. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, and this um, is the Bordeaux style, just lacking Cabernet Franc. So it's Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, and Petit Bordeaux. Um, being Merlot heavy, um, which we haven't talked about Washington Merlots, but I think you have a thing for Merlots. Um, uh-huh. We, you know, uh, I don't. I, I hope Washington is known for our great Merlots outside of Washington. Um, we are able to grow because of our the, the sunlight factor and the heat factor. Um, our Merlots get very ripe, and the tannins actually get quite big. Some, sometimes I'll make the point by um, pouring our Cabernet Sauvignon and then our Merlot because it can, you know our Merlot can can be bigger. Um, and so in this case, we, you know, this wine is Merlot heavy, and then we've added the, the Malbec to kind of add that the powdery, dusty mountain tannins to, to round out the mouthfeel. A little touch of Petit Bordeaux to add some some grip at the finish, and, and the Cab to bring some of the, you know, um, blueberry kind of fruits to the to the nose. So it's because of the blend, the the, the percentages can change every year. 
Um, we just play around with with all four varietals until we get to the mouthfeel that feels right. So yes, to answer your your statement, yes, I am a big Merlot fan. Um, mostly because I think that it is one of those bastardized wines, um, thanks to that stupid movie. Um, it kind of destroyed an industry, um, which was was Merlot, and a lot of people, uh, a lot of places tore out Merlot and started planting Pinot Noir and um, um, tore it out and started planting other things, some Italian varietals that weren't native, and which is fine. I, I love um, you know Italian wines, but um, I, I do think that Merlot um, is making a comeback, and in fact, I am working um, on a um, a series called 365 Days of Merlot. Um, the goal is obviously to do exactly what it says and taste through 365 Merlots and uh, and have each one of those kind of like a, an advent calendar for 2017. Um, so if you're listening, definitely stay tuned um, for that. And if you're not, then then I don't know why I'm talking to you. Um, <clears throat> so the um, the Cavalier, it's, um, it's incredibly lush. Um, it's fleshy. Um, which is, you know, just one of those, you know, weird words that just happened to pop out at me. Um, yeah, a lot of, go ahead. I, I like the term fleshy. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, it is. It's very, um, yeah, I get, I get a lot of, I get a little bit of cherry. I obviously get the blueberry, which is, is, the most famous fruit in inside of inside of Merlot. I get a tiny bit of coffee. Um, I get a little bit of plum, and it's it's incredibly well rounded. Um, if this was in a blind tasting, I think most people would assume this was like Saint Emilion or Saint Julien, something like that. Um, I don't think that they would pick out Washington, and that's a shame um, because Washington makes incredibly fantastic, high quality wines. Um, but this wine is made so well that I think that they would automatically assume Bordeaux. Um, and they would probably... I, I would give it a sleeper of the vintage type of type of listing, like like Parker. Um, he loves to do that. Um, and I would say, I want to see this wine again in 10 years. <laughs> you know, um, That's a huge compliment. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so we are almost done. This is the Robert Willis Malbec. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, about this tier. So um, this, is Robert Willis, is named after the two brothers. Um, the Mercers that own the winery today are Robert and Willis Mercer. So older brother, younger brother. Um, named um, for, for them. And it's our reserved tier, uh, Malbec. So this is coming from our spice cabinet vineyard. And... Um, just taking basically, it's all of this. I mentioned that we have three blocks of three different clones, and this is the the block of clone four, the the clone we tend to prefer. Um, we have this beautiful oak upright tank that is about a three ton fermenter. So the the fruit is fermented in in that oak tank, and um, what it, that oak tank that does for us, it's not you know imparting oak aromas or oak flavors. Um, it's just it's a fermentation kinetics that the oak retains the temperature a little bit better, so it's a bit warmer fermentation. Um, and there is some micro-ox happening because of the staves of, of the oak allowing for oxygen to pass. So the resulting the wine right after we drain and press out of the oak 
fermenter is softer and almost tastes more finished, like it's you know close to being ready to to bottle versus a wine that comes out of a you know a stainless steel tank or, or some other vessel. So um, it just creates wines that are um, a little softer and, and um, just the mouthfeel. I think you know the impact on the mouthfeel really is what we're getting from that oak tank. So our best wine, our best fruit goes in, in those, that oak tank, and we can only get about three fermentations. So the small back is always one of them. Nice. Um, so on this one, I think you kind of nailed that that wet stone, that kind of you know flinty, you know mo moist flinty quality. Um, I also think you kind of hit the uh, the mulberry, um, clove, um, you know flavor points. Um, really nice, very smooth, very easy drinking. Um, definitely velvety finish. Um, really well done. Well, thank you. <laughs> and this, we're pretty excited about the Malbec, and this is maybe a good example of, of why, because this is a you know snapshot of that one little vineyard and what it's been doing for us. Yeah, very, very well done. Um, so, so Jessica and I have have already planned on uh, doing a, a Merlot vertical. Um, so that's going to be episode three, um, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. As uh, everyone knows, I am a um, a big Merlot fan, and it's going to be part of the 365 Days of Merlot um, uh, series. So. Um, stay tuned for that. Jessica, I want to thank you very much uh, for your time. You make exceptional wines, and I look forward to, to continuing uh, to taste them. Well, thank you, Justin. I really appreciate you having us on your podcast, and it's just been a pleasure tasting these wines with you.